for joining us for another exciting edition of Hoosier Ag This Week. I'm farm broadcaster Eric Pfeiffer from Hoosier Ag Today, ready to share the next 30 minutes or so with you to tell you about the top news and information farmers, agribusiness professionals, and frankly legislators need regarding Indiana and U.S. agriculture. The Hat Staff was busy this week at the Fort Wayne Farm Show and Indiana Pork's Taste of Elegance. Stories from those events are on the way. The Farm Bureau Annual Convention is underway in Utah. We'll hear from the Indiana Discussion Meet winner who's competing this weekend. We'll get the short-term and long-term Indiana farm forecast from Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin. And grain market analysis is on the way as we recap a shortened week of trade. Let's begin with the big USDA report that came out last Friday. It was a hot topic throughout the week this week, as it estimated a record large corn crop across the U.S., with records also being recorded here in Indiana. Hoosier corn growers pushed over the 200 bushels per acre mark for the first time, with a statewide average of 203. Indiana soybean growers pushed the record mark to 61 bushels per acre. Nationally, the average yield was estimated at that record high, 177.3 bushels per acre, while soybean yield was estimated at 50.6. I made my way to the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum earlier this week for the Fort Wayne Farm Show and stopped by the Pioneer booth to chat with agronomist Brian Early. We discussed these record high Indiana yields. We all know weather conditions weren't perfect in 2023, Genetics had to have played a big part. Yeah, that, that would be true. Genetics definitely has a component now. Um, we, we did for sure have a record corn crop in most of Indiana. Uh, beans were maybe not a record for everybody, but still pretty good. So uh, you look back at the, uh, the how the weather turned out. Um, we were dry. The uh, dryness before pollination and tassel on corn and seed set and beans um, really was not as detrimental as we've seen it. It made stuff root down well and, and the crops fared well through it. We, and, and really we didn't even have that much rolled up corn. So it was, it was dry, but it wasn't overly hot. So things weren't as bad as, as maybe we felt it as humans. So um, that kind of set us up good. The, the fortunate thing for us when it was time to get rain, we got great rain. So uh, the, the varieties now can hold on better through droughty periods and they don't uh, abort kernels and and uh, shave rows off around and things like that as much as they had in the past. So uh, between the varieties and the weather lining up kind of perfect, it uh, I would order up another 2023 again. It was it turned out great. And, and let's quickly here, Brian, talk about 2023. What did we learn from 23 that we can carry over into 24 as folks are making plans for planting season now? So I think the biggest thing we learned is, uh, to me, a couple of things. So uh, early dryness does not spell disparity. So we uh, we can weather really dry periods pre-reproductive periods and really come out pretty good. We've seen that the last couple of years, actually. So uh, when it's dry early, that's not a bad thing for us. It's probably a good thing. So as long as we get some rain or irrigation to make it to make it go away in time, that, that works. So uh, the other thing we saw and we saw it with wheat, corn and beans, really all three of them, lack of disease is, is uh, really a big deal. So we had disease very, very late. It was very heavy late, but it was past the point it could do damage. So if we could order up a year that was kind of dry on the front and had very limited disease, that would be the key to, to having big yields again. So uh, if I could order both of those, I would definitely do that. Again, that's pioneer agronomist Brian Early at the Fort Wayne Farm Show earlier this week. Let's talk about that forecast and what might be ordered up. From Hoosier Ag Today, Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin. He was also at the farm show earlier this week and told a crowd Tuesday morning his weather predictions for 2024. For spring planting, Martin's models tell him to expect a cool but dry April and then a warm and wet May. So what I talked about here at the farm show was encouraging anybody that saw a window in April 
to get in the field, even with a little bit cooler temperatures, probably take that, rely on your seed treatments and things like that, because there could be a little bit more wet weather in May. Now that's good for anything planted, should get it out of the ground and go on its way. And the rest of the spring planting season is going to be trying to come back from that May high in moisture. In 2023, the lack of moisture early kept us disease free in the fields until it was too late for tar spot in corn or white mold in soybeans to really have much of a yield impact. But in 24? I think fungicide needs to be high on your list of things to consider as you're talking about going through the, the planting process and with your agronomic advisor for sure. Because I'm looking for precipitation to stay above normal in June, uh, just slightly above, so near normal in July, but then we have the potential for a wet August before we dry down a little bit in September. Martin says he also expects above normal temperatures from May throughout August before dropping off in September. There is one wild card that could throw things off in 24, much like it did in 23. Wildfire smoke. We've never had it here in the Corn Belt to the level that we saw last year coming out of Canada. Uh, if Canada can figure out how to put a little bit of water on a fire and put it out sooner, that's tongue in cheek. But if we get away with less smoke, we probably don't have much trouble drying down once we get into the fall harvest. But if we see a repeat or some kind of smoke scenario anywhere, even western United States that comes in here on West Winds, that's going to be the wild card that we need to keep an eye on. You can hear more from Martin on this long-term weather forecast in the full hat interview at HoosierAgToday.com. He also has that short-term forecast coming up in just a few minutes here on Hoosier Ag this week. But right now, it's time to take a look at the markets. I'll have final numbers for you from Friday Trade coming in just moments. First, let's get market analysis with economist Brian Basting. He's with Advanced Trading, and he spoke on Friday with our Andy Eubank. Brian, as we close the week, it could close with a higher move as corn, soybeans, and wheat are all just a little higher as we talk here in the middle of the session. We did have a flash sale of soybeans to China. Export sales report, not too bad. And also weather in South America seems to be getting maybe hotter and drier in Argentina. So are those factors in the up move today? Yeah, a lot of things before the weekend here, Andy, you highlighted here. We've got a market that had been, for corn anyway, uh, you have to go all the way back to 2020 to see nearby corn futures below 440 a bushel, which is where we saw earlier this week. So probably some profit taking, some short covering here on the weekend. We did see some nice export sales, as you said, for corn. Looks like some end users putting their toe in the water with these cheaper corn prices. And we saw a, um, a nice export sales of the sales for the latest week were up 61% compared to the previous four-week average. So real good. Not as stellar on beans. Um, they, they were up from the previous week. But um, uh, I think the beans is, is dealing with South American competition. But you did highlight one important thing, though. We are in the middle of a weather market here as we all hunker down in the Midwest in the middle of January. But, and that's South America. And, and it, has been an, it has been an ideal weather market so far for Argentina. Uh, last year they had a bad drought, but as you said here, their corn is pollinating. It's supposed to get dry and warm here through the rest of the month, so something to keep an eye on. Um, but I do think that there is some, some short covering and a bit of end user buying in all these, these crops at the moment. Brian, we've been wondering if we're going to hit a bottom in the markets, and this Friday move doesn't necessarily suggest, I don't think, that the bottom is in and now we go higher, does it? 
No, I just think that that uh, it, it, it's a um, from a, a producer standpoint, Andy. I want to caution your listeners that um, I've done done some outlook meetings this winter, and the perception that I've gotten is that there's quite a bit of unpriced 23 corn being held by producers. I think producers have sold quite a bit, relatively speaking, of beans from last fall's harvest, but not as much corn, and so. I think that we got to be careful here. We got to manage those bushels and we got to protect those bushels because uh, this market um, is heavy at the moment. Um, it continues to feel heavy. We've got some decent export business, but I'd remind your listeners that a carryout over 2.1 billion bushels, Andy, is much more comfortable than each of the last three years uh, when the carryout was approaching a billion bushels. So we're looking at a carryout that's nearly double what it's been each of the last three years. And so I think we just got to be cautious down here. I'd encourage your listeners to get control of these bushels. In my opinion, a good way to do that would be to put a flow underneath this market. Either go ahead and cash out those bushels, buy a call option to give yourself upside, or get some type of floor in place. And we just got to be careful because uh, we have not seen these type of stock levels in corn for several years. That's economist Brian Basting with Advanced Trading. You can reach him at 309-664-2314. Market numbers now from Friday. We eked out gains in corn. March up one and a half, 445 and a half, up a penny on the May to 456. Not so lucky in soybeans, down a quarter of a point on the March to 1213 and a quarter. 1223 on the May, down one and a quarter. March wheat was the upside leader, seven and three quarters better to 593 and a quarter. In livestock, February live cattle down 45 cents, 174.37, and down 35 on Febline hogs to 70.75. The Indiana Farm Forecast with Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin is next, and then more farm news with C.J. Miller here on Hoosier Ag This Week from Hoosier Ag Today. Making agriculture your life's work comes with challenges that can leave you feeling alone. I'm Bruce Kettler, President and CEO of the Agribusiness Council of Indiana. And when you're a member of ACI, you have agribusiness advocates in your corner, similar agribusiness members to network with, and opportunities for continued education. If your business serves Indiana agriculture, we need your perspective and hope you'll become a member of ACI. Visit inagribiz.org. The Agribusiness Council of Indiana, strengthening and connecting Indiana agribusiness. Look around. Cold air holds through the weekend, but next week, winter is in the rearview mirror, right? I'm Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin with Hoosier Ag Today's Weekend Weather Outlook. Here's what's going on in the eastern Corn Belt. Cold polar air continues to hold today. High pressure is in control for your Saturday and your Sunday at this point. We picked up a little bit of light snow and flurry action yesterday. That clipper moved out pretty quick. However, lake effect was impressive in northern parts of Indiana. The lake effect will continue, I think, through here Saturday morning, midday, trying to wind down probably this afternoon. But that's only going to be in that St. Joe County, Elkhart County, LaPorte County kind of area. Maybe a bit into Marshall or northern Kosciuszko, but, but that's it. Everybody else is going to be fine here for Saturday. Just cold as high pressure continues to sit to our west. That's why we have north flow here still today. Tomorrow, that high centers on top of us and then transitions to the west. That means through your Sunday, while we're still chilly, we will see winds turn to more of a southerly direction. Also, we won't see strong winds. It'll just be light wind activity for your Sunday. And those south winds are key. 
for what happens next week. A significant warming surge rides the south winds in starting Monday. Temperatures are moderating through the day. I don't think we see much precipitation through Monday, but clouds will be increasing. On the south flow, we do see a significant surge of moisture. Two systems, honestly, will affect us next week. The first one comes in as we move into early Tuesday morning. Clouds are here, and we see some hit-and-miss rain shower action develop. Rain and uh, drizzle continues through the entire day Tuesday. Through Tuesday night, things wind down. All told, I'm looking for probably a quarter to at least three-quarters of an inch of rain with coverage at 100% of the state out of that first wave. We don't see much happen through the balance of Wednesday. Yes, clouds hold firm in a lot of areas, but not a lot of new moisture. And then we see some sunshine to start Thursday before our next round of moisture rips right in. Another system coming up from the south that can bring anywhere from a quarter to three-quarters of an inch. I think combined for the week out of the two systems from Tuesday through early Friday morning, we'll have to say a quarter to one inch, maybe a little bit more in a few spots. But I do think that we're done with moisture by mid to late morning on Friday and see clouds give way to sunshine. We don't cool off right away behind that last system either. I think we're still mild through the balance of Friday. Saturday, we probably ease temperatures back just a bit. And Sunday, seasonal, let's call it. Not brutally cold, but seasonal. And then next week, the week of the 29th, we run it back up again. I'm Ryan Martin. It's that time of year. Trade shows, seed meetings, trips to warmer climates. With all this busyness, you might find it hard to stay informed on the news you need to know for your farming operation. But now the world of agriculture is in the palm of your hand. The Hoosier Ag Today mobile app gives you instant 24-hour-a-day access to the markets, weather, and all the news you want to know. It's a free download at Google Play, the Apple Store, and HoosierAgToday.com. The Hoosier Ag Today mobile app. Welcome back to Hoosier Ag This Week. I'm C.J. Miller with Hoosier Ag Today, and you may not know that Indiana ranks fifth in the U.S. in pork production, and there are over 3,000 pork producers all across the state. Since Indiana's pork industry is such a huge part of the state's ag economy, it's important to keep diseases like African swine fever from coming into the U.S., and infecting the state's hog population. We have very strict regulations here in the United States as far as the importation of animals and livestock in particular. And that's Dr. Craig Bowen, Assistant Director of the Animal Disease Diagnostic Laboratory at Purdue University. With African swine fever showing up in Europe, Asia, and the Caribbean, Dr. Bowen says it's important to keep pork from outside the U.S. from entering our country. So if we have any pork meat that may be coming in as sausage or any other cut, that has the potential to still have viable virus in there that should any of that enter the feed chain for those pigs, that would be an opportunity for transmission and infection of pigs and the introduction of ASF to our domestic swine herd. Dr. Bowen gives credit to the USDA's Animal and Plant Health Inspector service as well as their Beagle Brigade. So for those that may not know, the Beagle Brigade is actually a group of beagles that are at the airports that are trained to use their sense of smell to search out for any pork products that might be in luggage that might be coming in. So when you come through customs, if you've been out of the country, make sure you check your card that you've been around any ag animals or on any farms because they are looking at those things. He also credits pork producers for their work in keeping the disease at bay. They're the first line of defense and recognizing if there is an 
issue, and I think we definitely need to recognize their efforts that they put forward each day, monitoring their animals, making sure those pigs are acting normal, and if they do see something out of the norm, that they contact their veterinarian, they get a hold of the state animal health officials, and then our diagnostic lab there at Purdue, being part of the National Animal Health Laboratory Network, we're able to go through and do that initial testing for those foreign animal diseases and give our producers, stakeholders, a quick answer that uh, at this point in time have all been negative and we really would like to keep it that way. He recommends that if you plan on traveling to another hog farm outside the U.S., to keep biosecurity measures in mind. If you're going to be on a farm and around any of that stuff, uh, I know plenty of people that take extra clothes that they don't necessarily need to bring back with them and may leave in those countries, visit Goodwill, pick up some extra clothing, extra shoes, wear those when they're going to be around those species, leave them behind when they're gone and coming back to the U.S. just to kind of add a little more protection to those steps that we're not going to be bringing something back with us. If African swine fever were ever to enter the U.S., it would economically devastate the pork industry, causing a drop of hog prices of up to 50%, as well as the culling of herds and a widespread loss of jobs. However, Dr. Bowen says he and his team are prepared to quickly respond in case of a positive test. We have individuals that are trained and have to pass what's called a proficiency test to make sure that they're able to perform the diagnostic test that would be necessary to rule out or diagnose one of those foreign animal diseases at our diagnostic lab when samples come from any of these suspicious cases. You can hear more of my conversation with Dr. Bowen and read more at HoosierAgToday.com. Well, back in 1984, the U.S. Supreme Court delivered a landmark decision that gave government agencies like the EPA the leeway to make up their own rules and statutes without congressional approval. But Eric Pfeiffer reports now that the U.S. Supreme Court heard two related cases earlier this week that could reverse the previous court's decision from 40 years ago. Travis Cushman, Deputy General Counsel for Litigation and Public Policy with the American Farm Bureau, explains the premise of the Chevron Deference Doctrine, a little-known legal policy with big effects on agriculture. What it does is it instructs courts to defer to a federal agency's interpretation of a legal statute. Unfortunately, what it has done in practice is it's led to the creation of a super branch of government and the burgeoning of the administrative state. What happens is federal agencies are able to interpret and craft the laws as they see fit without input from Congress or the role of the judiciary in providing a check on federal agencies. Cushman says the case could have pretty significant far-reaching impacts on how government operates, returning greater power to Congress and the courts and making it harder for federal agencies to push their power. That means the governing agencies that regulate agriculture will have much less ability to arbitrarily enact laws they shouldn't be doing, including many key environmental statutes like the Clean Water Act and the Endangered Species Act. Read more at HoosierAgToday.com. I'm Eric Pfeiffer. Thank you, Eric. Well, there was positive ag equipment sales data coming out of 2023 and entering into 2024. And Eubank is here now once again with the details. In the December Ag Tractor and Combine Sales Report, the Association of Equipment Manufacturers indicates combine harvester sales closed the year ahead of 2022 levels, and 100-plus horsepower tractors had 5.2% growth in 23 and a 3.6% jump in December. The CEO of Ag Revolution, Stacey Anthony, says his company shares the 
optimism within that report? We're optimistic about 2024. I know there's a lot of rhetoric out there and opinions out there about a cooling or maybe even a downturn. And I think depending on your manufacturer brands or maybe even what segment of the agricultural industry you serve, there could be a a varying experience level out there. But for us, we're actually still anticipating an upward forward momentum. That momentum is a carryover from 2023 and their very strong finish. Anthony believes there is still buying power and momentum starting this year. A November like we have not seen in several years, but something went crazy tilt and uh, there was a lot of buying. And I think part of it was we were cautiously optimistic about crop yields and i think we had some delayed rains we had some early heat we thought corn might take it on the chin and even all the while some of the corn yields maybe weren't what we were hoping or wanting the beans made up for it and i think at the end of the day farmers uh had a good crop had a good had a good year and decide to spend some money in uh, improving infrastructure. He says buyers will be cautious this year, but there are early signs of that momentum. We're into a geopolitical situation here that's got everybody kind of scratching their head about a couple things. But, you know, I think some of these inputs are starting to level out. I think crop prices are always going to be an issue. But to me, we've got some buying demand for January, and that's always usually a good early indicator of Q1. And so, we're optimistic about Q1. Ag Revolution is a wholly owned subsidiary of Agco, started three years ago this month. They focus on mobile service and now have eight locations in western Kentucky, southern Indiana, and southern Illinois. I'm Andy Eubank. Thank you, Andy. Coming up, you'll meet the winner of the Indiana Farm Bureau discussion meet from their convention in Fort Wayne last month. Also, you'll hear how Purdue plans to get more students into their College of Agriculture. All that and much more coming up, so stick around. Don't go anywhere. I'm C.J. Miller with Hoosier Ag Today, and this is Hoosier Ag This Week. The High Ground Podcast. Everything from energy and fuel. It's a Memorial Day weekend, going to be 87 to 89, maybe low 90s all weekend, so we thought we'd bring Scott Heine in. So we'll talk about home heat. <laughs> To agriculture. Anytime we can help a farmer grow their business and meet their goals, that's a proud moment for me. And, well, other things. For some reason, like and subscribe. We don't know why, but that's important. We want you to do it on your own, but we're going to tell you. (laughs) Listen now on all platforms. Thank you again for joining us this weekend here on Hoosier Ag This Week. I'm C.J. Miller with Hoosier Ag Today. And the 2024 American Farm Bureau Convention is underway right now in Salt Lake City, Utah. The Indiana delegation includes the winner of this year's discussion meet from the state convention. That was last month in Fort Wayne. Andy Eubank is here once again to introduce you to the winner. Kylie Wheeler is originally from Carroll County, lives now in Henry County, works for the State Department of Agriculture, and has been trying to win discussion meet for a long time. I have been doing this contest for about five years now, so it took me this long to get it won, and that's all right. Um, I took it very seriously this year. I did a ton of prep work. Um, There's too many names for me to thank right now, but I met with many people in and outside my county to help prepare me for this event through phone calls and discussions as well as, you know, doing that research online as well. Well, obviously you are a persistent individual. Why did you stick with it? You know, I've always just really enjoyed the event. I love talking with people and making new friends, so I've actually met a ton of 
other Farm Bureau members now through doing this contest. And so that's one reason I've kept coming back is just that networking aspect that gets me here at state convention that I wouldn't necessarily be able to attend otherwise. The win in December means Wheeler now competes this weekend with top competitors from across the country. That's huge for me. Um, I was actually talking with my county president and we think I may be the first person from Henry County to win the Indiana Farm Bureau discussion meet and make it onto the national competition. I've never been to Salt Lake City or Utah at all, so I'm very excited for that opportunity. She tipped her hat to the level of competition within our own state that has made it difficult to win, but also prepared her well for this weekend. And I think this contest is always very competitive every year. You know, as I said, I've been doing this for several years now and got beat several times and that's okay, but it means it's great competition to help prepare you for that national level. From her youth to her current position with ISDA, Kylie Wheeler has gained a wealth of experience. Grew up showing primarily quarter horses. Also competed at the 4-H level and was active in my local FFA chapter. Um, going into Purdue, I studied Ag Econ and had a concentration in sales and marketing. Spent some time in a production ag seed company after that and back to Purdue as a staff role. Um, here in this last year, I actually took a position with the Indiana State Department of Agriculture to get back more of a boots on the ground type of position working with um, soil and water conservation districts in 19 counties. National discussion meet culminates with the final four round Monday morning and the announcement of the winner later in the day. I'm Andy Eubank. Thank you, Andy. With Indiana leading the U.S. in duck production and ranking fourth in the nation in turkey production, the USDA says it will heavily promote Indiana's duck and turkey industries during its upcoming trade mission this April to India. India and its 1.4 billion consumers really is one of the largest untapped markets in the world for U.S. agriculture. And that's Ryan Brewster, Senior Director of Trade Missions with the USDA's Foreign Agricultural Service. Last year, the USDA lifted many of its tariffs on certain farm and food exports to India. This summer, we had some market access opportunities for U.S. products, including apples and frozen turkey. So it's really kind of opened up India in ways that we haven't had in many years. Read more about the USDA's upcoming trade trip to India and how it could benefit Indiana's ag economy at HoosierAgToday.com. Well, a lot of students are drawn to Purdue's College of Agriculture because it's ranked third in the U.S. and fifth in the world. It's also why there's an overflow of student applications. However, Purdue has developed a new spring start program to allow more students into its College of Agriculture. We hope that every student that gets invited to the College of Ag Spring Start program will accept that offer. And that's Dr. Christine Wilson, Senior Associate Dean and Director of Academic Programs with Purdue's College of Agriculture. The university is introducing a spring start program. This is really designed for students who have applied to the College of Agriculture to Purdue University for a fall start. But as most people know, Purdue has held tuition flat for the last 13 years. Uh, that is great. That helps make a college education uh, very affordable for a larger group of individuals. But that also comes with some challenges as more and more students want to come to Purdue. And those challenges mean there are a limited number of classes and living spaces for students in the fall. 
However, as students graduate in December, that opens up more space for new students to start in the spring. They're accepted as a College of Agriculture student. They're accepted as a Purdue student if they're accepted into the Spring Start program. And they're able to begin their college career directly at Purdue just one semester later than what potentially they had originally planned. Read more about Purdue College of Ag's Spring Start program at our website, HoosierAgToday.com. And that does it for this week's edition of Hoosier Ag This Week. Check out the podcast version of today's show. You can download that at HoosierAgToday.com. Also download the new Hoosier Ag Today mobile app, a free download for iPhone and Android. For Andy Eubank, Eric Pfeiffer, and Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin, I'm C.J. Miller, Hoosier Ag Today, Indiana's Farm Network.